Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is the art of not giving a fuck. Let's do this. friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kind of Dating. Today is a very special episode. You're going to love it. I'm very excited. But before we jump into it, um, remember, if you like today's episode, remember to to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five-star rating or review. Only five, not four, just five. What's that number again? Five. Um, we're also on social media, so make sure you follow us. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. Aisha is not here today. She is taking a much needed Sunday break, um, but we miss her and are sending her love. Um, you can also follow her on social media. She has she's at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And since I'm complicated. I'm Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. All right, let's get into it. I cannot wait. Um, I feel like you're all going to love me for this, um, and I'm so excited he agreed to be on. We have thought leader, life enthusiast, author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, you know it, I know it. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. He's also written Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. And he has a new Audible original um, book out called Love is Not Enough. Please welcome Mark Manson. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Thanks I'm for good, being on. I'm good. It's good to be here. Right. Are you surviving New York? Sure. But I mean, you always, you always have to survive <laughs> New York. This is... This is just, yeah, regardless this is just of a pandemic. Year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair, very fair. Um, so, Mark, before we uh, jump into the episode, we ask every guest the same question: single or in a relationship? Uh, in a relationship. Nice. How long? Eight years. Oh God! Yeah, damn. I'm married. So. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm. Yeah, I'm that's, old uh, school. Married for no, eight no, years? We, or we, married? Okay, yeah, been married for three. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'm always like a long weekend with somebody is a really long time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I so. you know, for pretty much all my 20s, I, I didn't think I was going to get married. Um, I, was, I was a serial dater um, and, and scared to death of commitment and monogamy. And, uh, but then that suddenly changed. So here I am. You met the right person. I, and became the right person, both of those. Um, right. That's, a, that's an interesting concept. I mean, it kind of leads me to like what inspired, um, not just your book, but sort of you've, before the book, you were this relationship sort of guru. And uh, that's what a lot of your articles um, were about. So what inspired you when you were kind of going through your own shit before? What? And by the way, you can curse as, as much as I you hope want so. Uh, you know, it's funny because I did start my career as a relationship advice columnist, blogger, you know, I don't know what you would call it. Um, it's funny, actually, it, it kind of happened accidentally. I, um, I started um, back in like 2008, 2009, I, I 
started a number of websites trying to do affiliate marketing, trying to make money online, basically. And I tried a bunch of different stuff. And the thing that stuck was dating advice. I was single at, at the time. I was pretty young. Um, and I was reading a lot of books about dating and relationships and things like that. And so I started posting things online about them and it, and it kind of caught on. So that's actually, it's been my bread and butter for um, 12 years now, essentially. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so, you know, what did did a specific thing kind of inspire your overall philosophy? Because you are a little anti self help. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. I mean, I'm definitely a little bit contrarian for sure. Uh, you know, I, my my typical. If I see everybody saying and believing the same thing, like my natural reaction is there's got to be some bullshit here like and i'm going to find it um so that that's always just kind of been my personality but i think you know when i was younger i very much i very much got into self help when i was a teenager and um read all the books watched videos even attended some seminars and uh and i i you know by the time i got i would say my mid to late 20s i was pretty disgruntled um, disillusioned by the whole experience. I thought it was a lot, a lot of it was just kind of feel good bullshit, a lot of scammy marketing tactics going on. Um, and what, what was worse was like the more I learned about human psychology, the more I realized that there are a lot of very vulnerable people emotionally that are kind of being sucked into these, these communities, um, and, and just sold a bunch of bullshit. So, um, I, I really, my writing, I'd say around 2013, 2014, I really started to take a hard contrarian view on a lot of this stuff, things like happiness and, uh, life purpose and, you know, that we're all supposed to be great and wonderful and achieve our dreams and all this stuff. And, uh, I guess I was, you know, today, like we're all cynical bastards, but, um, I think maybe <laughs> I, I was a couple years ahead of my time. Um, because I, I was just kind of this, this angry, angry old man shaking his fist on the internet. And, uh, <laughs> and five years later, you know, sold like 10 million books. So <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. I mean, uh, no, fuck kudos to you. That's, that's brilliant. I think, um, a lot of people relate to a lot of things that you said. I mean, I, I know I did one of the things of also just like, being positive and being happy. Like I learned at a very young age and I was that person. I actually got roped into this whole self-help thing. I actually, I don't even think I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I was part of this like spiritual group that I got roped into in like my late teens, which now looking back was like almost yeah. like a cult. And thank God I got out of it like real quick. But there was this like short period of time that they, you know, would make us like just constantly tell you to be positive. And anytime you had a negative feeling, you had to kind of push it down. And I realized like, I just burst, you know, at, at some point you start putting that repression and in, into other negative yeah. habits. Like for me, it turned out to be eating shit, like not eating actually. And so I had to like learn, oh, wait a minute. It's okay to just not feel fucking good yeah. sometimes. And it's fine to like not always be positive. Um, it's just, I guess the idea for me was like, don't dwell in it. 
but it's okay to just be pissed. And I'm fucking pissed <laughs> a lot. So. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, now I'm like, ooh, yeah. it's all out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's about, the way I describe it is that it, it's emo- a managing your emotions, it's like a skill. And if you are being told all the time that you're not supposed to be angry or that you're not supposed to be sad or that you're not supposed to be depressed, um, then you never actually get to practice those skills. You never get to practice anger. You never get to practice sadness. Um, and we, we need these like negative emotions. They're not fun, but they provide, they exist for a reason. They provide us a benefit. They make us better people. And, um, and so it, it's, it's, it's about turning towards them and, and getting adept at navigating them rather than just, you know, be uh, sunshines and rainbows all the time, you know, cause that's, that doesn't, so, that doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so why do you think in all, you know, you've been doing this, like you said, for 12 years. Um, why do you think people give so much of a fuck? Like, why do we care? I think, well, first of all, we have to care about something. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I think that the real question is, what are we choosing to care about? And I think kind of the argument that I made in Subtle Art that I think so many people resonated with was that uh, in the age of social media and smartphones and Tinder and, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff. Like it's, it's so hard. You're bombarded with so much stimulation all the time that it's actually very difficult to know what's worth caring about and what's not. Um, it's, it's exhausting sometimes to like oh figure God. out what you should yeah. be caring about and what you shouldn't. And, and I think the biggest danger today is to just kind of fall into autopilot and just get, you know, it's like the, the latest outrage pops up on your Instagram feed and now you're outraged for the next three days, you know, and then something new happens and, and you've moved on to that. Like it's, it's so easy for us to kind of mm-hmm. just fall into these, um, just, just being robotic, I guess. Um, and so the, the thing that I encourage people is, is to actually stop and ask these critical questions of, of what am I giving a fuck about? Should I is it a good thing to give a fuck about it or not? Um, and if not, then how do I stop? Basically. Thank you all for listening to Kinda Dating. If you already subscribed, great. We love you. If you're not, get on it. Go to that podcast app on your phone, computer, whatever, and hit the button now so you can get your fix weekly. Side effects include laughing your ass off, sorting out your shit, and finding true love. Isn't that what we all want? Do you think people give more fucks about relationships and, or, you know, more than they need to? Uh, I think, you know, we're in a really weird, you know, dating, dating in particular, but relationships too. I mean, we're in a weird kind of cultural experiment at the moment with all the technology. And um, in, in some ways, I think we give fewer fucks today which is probably healthy. You know, when I look at my parents' generation, there was kind of just this implicit understanding that the first person you fell in love with, you're supposed to marry at like 20 and live happily ever after. And like, that is completely unreasonable. (laughs) And I think, you know, and I think it's very healthy that our generation has figured that out, that that is unreasonable. And we shouldn't, you shouldn't just like run off and get married with the first person you fall in love with. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that we struggle in other ways. I think we struggle. There's a real, there's a thing in psychology called paradox of choice, 
which is that what they find is that if if you give if you sit somebody down and you give them say two options of something like two pieces of candy say pick your favorite candy people will pick their pick one of the two options and they'll be satisfied with it they're like oh yeah this is the one i prefer i like it if you sit somebody down and give them 50 options 50 pieces of candy and tell them to pick their favorite one even though they have far more options to choose from people are way less satisfied with whatever they choose because now you're not just giving up one other piece of candy, you're giving up 49 other pieces of candy. And so people who pick mm. the one that they want, they, they doubt their choices more, they're more anxious about their choices, um, they start to second guess, like, well, maybe that one would have been better or that one looks sweeter or whatever. Um, and so it actually creates, so it's the paradox of choice. It's like that by giving people more choices and more options in their life, they actually become more anxious and less satisfied. And I think, the paradox of choice is, is essentially happened in the dating world. Um, whereas people have more and more options. Ah. Exactly. More and more options than ever. Like you can meet more people in a month through Tinder or whatever than like our parents met their entire lives. You know, like it's, it's crazy. And, uh, but I think there, there's a psychological fallout from that. And so I think a lot of people, men and women, they just, they, they're, perpetually dissatisfied with whatever they choose. Yeah. So do you think that that's like the biggest struggle for modern daters, I guess, like now Gen Z millennials (laughs) (laughs) Um, is that the problem? Is it that we have too many options? I think that's part of it. I think also we're just, um, I'm going to say that, you know, usually this word is used in a negative way. I'm not using this in a negative way, but I, we're a little bit more self-absorbed. And I don't mean that as like, I think it's just, we're, we have a healthy self-regard. You know, we were raised to take care of ourselves and think of ourselves first. And I, again, I think there's a lot of healthy things about that. Um, but at the same time, you also need to learn how to sacrifice. Your, what you want and what you desire, you know? So it's, when I look at our generation, I, I see most people have a very healthy attitude of like, you know, this is my routine. This is how I take care of myself. This is, I need these three things in my life and I'm going to make sure that I get them. Like, that's all great. But when you start dating somebody, you have to start compromising some of those things. Like if you're going to commit to somebody, you have to start compromising. And right. I, I don't think, I think we're bad at compromising things like that. Um, we're bad at saying like, you know what, I'm going to let this go because I really love this person. Um, you know, put simply, we, we want to have it all and you can't. <laughs> what? Stop bursting my bubble. Damn. I told myself I can I have it all. No, you know, um, you bring up a lot of good points. Obviously, uh, apps and, and, the options are an issue. One thing I've always found and sort of been like, what the fuck are you people doing? Is what you said that like example on Tinder or any of these apps, like you can have multiple dates in a week. And I'm like, I haven't done the app thing that much, but whenever I have, I've always said like, it takes me about 50 people. I've even counted before, before I swipe right on somebody because I'm so like, 
I kind of know what would annoy me straight up. I look at somebody and I'm like, oh, you spell that? You don't know how you're going to have vocabulary. You'll annoy me. Like, I just know. But some people, I, I think a lot of people have these options, but, but it's coupled with the fact that they don't know yes. what they want. So it makes this like process, like, which should be, look, it is a trial and error at some point. You learn to know what you want by going out. But then I'm also like, don't you value your time a little bit? Like, yeah. what are you doing in your week that you can spend? I mean, I know people who've gone every single day with a different yeah. person. And I'm just like, you had no other hobby, <laughs> nothing else. To get, no friends to meet. Like, I get it. But well, I mean, do you think that there is, I know you're saying like we're self-absorbed in a positive way and that we are, um, we know what, we want a little bit, but do we know what we uh, want? Yes and no. So th- there are a lot of things to unpack there. Um, I think, I mean, first of all, one thing that is also interesting about the last generation or two is that dating has become a hobby. You know, dating used to not be a hobby. Dating, dating used to just be this like awkward, uncomfortable thing you did every once in a while. You know, when your friend introduced you to their friend. Um, you know, now it's, now it's actually something you do for fun. Like I used to date for fun. Like it was my favorite thing. And it was funny because after I met my wife, I actually, I missed dating. And it wasn't, it wasn't because I was unhappy with her or wasn't happy in the relationship. It was just dating was fun. Like it was exciting. It was, there was something new every week to experience. Um, and so I think in some ways, that's that's a little bit problematic. You you kind of you get hooked on it as if it's a game, and and again, that makes it that that much more difficult to to give it up and to commit to somebody when even if you want to. Um, the other thing about technology, I think, is so much of what we experience as chemistry with people is is very intangible. Um, you know, like I I met my wife. It was really funny, actually. We met. I think just a couple months before Tinder came out. And, uh, and it was funny because the first couple of years of our relationship, we used to joke that we were going to like take a month off just so we could use Tinder and see like, cause it was every, back then it was like very, it was very awesome. exciting <laughs> and people were like really getting into it. Um, and all my friends, all of our friends were using it. So we we're like, yeah, maybe we should just like break up for a month just so we can get on Tinder and see what it's like. <laughs> Uh, but we, you know, obviously we never did. Uh, but it, you know, now my wife and I were like, thank God we met before Tinder <laughs> because it would, it would be so hard. But, you know, I, I think about it. So I've had four significant relationships in my life, four girlfriends in my life. And I would say two of those four, if I saw them on a dating app, I wouldn't have swiped right for sure. Like they, they weren't, Agreed. yeah, Same. they didn't, whether it was how they looked or their interests or whatever, like they weren't my type. Um, and it wasn't until I met them in person and spent a couple hours with them that I'm like, wow, this person is like really interesting and unique. And there's a weird kind of, you know, we're completely different in terms of our personalities, but there's like a weird chemistry that's happening here. Um, Mm -hmm. and you don't get that online. You don't get that through the technology. And, and I, and what's worse is I think people are so... You know, every date you go on, if you know you have like three other options, I don't think you're as open to that potential. Definitely. I mean, it's, uh, 
it's hard. I've been on both sides. You know, I've, I've been the person that's like just wanting to explore. And so you're like, okay, well, this went well, but what about that next thing? And I've also been the one, you know, I think more recently, much more focused yeah. <laughs> about what I want um, and kind of like going after it. You, you say something that is, I know you're contrarian, so it kind of <laughs> makes sense. Um, so at the end of every podcast, we end with um, sort of our little tagline, which is, I know it seems tough out there, but just yeah. try. You're, you have a thing of don't sure. try. <laughs> so explain it's like, it's like that. Yoda. It's like, don't try, do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think... I kind of, I, in the first chapter of my book, I kind of take a shit on the idea of trying just because it's, it's, I think the idea of trying is it gives ourselves a pass for our actions uh, or lack of action. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately it's, you either do something or you don't, you know, it either works mm-hmm. or it doesn't. And whether, whether you tried or not is, it's very, it's a very debatable thing. You know, I think it's, it's ideally you, you want to be in a situation where it's, you feel good about the actions you took and that's it. And you, you don't have to, to weasel your way out of it with like, well, I was trying to be nice and you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you just, you weren't nice. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like you said something rude. That's it. There's no, you don't get a star for effort. <laughs> you know, maybe, Maybe that's another yeah. thing with our generation is they, they we always want the story. It's like, well, I tried to do a good job. And it's like, no, you didn't do a good job. The relationship didn't work. You know, you fucked up. Like that's just that's just life. That's how it is. Um, so it's it's um I, I think it's just about being honest with ourselves about what what we mm-hmm. are um what we're doing. And and I, I get the I again it's it's one of these things where I'm not like I'm not like an evangelist for this. It's it is just a lot of it is just me being contrarian. But it's I think that what what matters and kind of like the tagline you're saying is that it's it's ultimately what matters is that you get out there and do something. You know whether the date yeah. is a total failure, whether you meet somebody who's a complete asshole, mm-hmm. you know, or whether you meet the love. You know it, what matters is that you get out there and do something and. Because everything you do, you are either going to enjoy it or you're going to learn from it. And so there's no, there's no downside from taking action. And that's, I, I think that's an attitude that people have to um, really embrace, right? Because I don't think a lot of people believe that you can learn from bad yeah. things. Um, or uh, learn from something failing. Um, and I always, you know, I talk about myself as a, I used to be a hardcore relationship girl where I was in these very long relationships. And then I ended up in a really abusive relationship and out in New York. And it turned me the other way where I was like, fuck everybody, can't be them, yeah. join them. And I became like a massive commitment phobe. I was like, you know, I was probably the biggest player and nobody knew it. And because I was just so good at hiding it. And finally, like tons of fucking therapy and self-work and a lot of improvement later, um, I'm now what I call a reformed commitment phobe. Um, So I kind of see like both sides 
But I remember sort of at the moment, I always said like, I hated that experience of being in an abusive relationship and what came after that. At the same time now, I've always said, I was like, I thank him. I'll never fucking thank him in person. I don't ever want to fucking say thank you, but I'm grateful for that experience. Um, Also, some of the things you've talked about, like boundaries, like being able to say no. Like I was a nice little Canadian girl, you know, who came to America not knowing anything. Like I I just literally was like, everybody's a good person. And then, you know, you meet the douchebag who is like, give a finger, take a hand. And, uh, And then I had to learn oh, the problem yeah. was me. Yes, this person was the problem. Like the, the crazy one, as we call him on the podcast. He was the problem, but I was also part yeah. of the problem of not being able to say no um, or set a boundary or value myself. But if I didn't have that experience, I, would, I don't believe I would be who I am today. It broke me yeah. for years. But then when I... I think the I'm lucky I consider myself to have been able to actually be healed by therapy. Like some people I think go to therapy and they don't apply anything <laughs> yeah. that they've learned. And I would always be like, okay, my therapist said this. So this is the task <laughs> for the week. Like, you know, overachieving Indian, like go do what they said. Um, and, and now I'm like yeah. grateful for it. Like I'm actually Well, grateful. and the thing is you would have learned that experience somewhere eventually. You would have had your heart broken. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be an abusive situation, but you would have definitely had your heart broken somewhere along the way. And so it's, you know, one one way I used to describe it back when I wrote about this stuff or like taught this stuff more was, was, was you have to go through some of the disastrous relationships to learn, A, like develop healthy relationship skills, but also B, like, discover that things that you thought you want or act, you actually don't want. You know, things that you thought were really attractive in a person, it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. actually, no, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to go after that anymore. And, yeah. and I used to tell, tell people, I'm like, you know, imagine it this way. Imagine that like your, your like dream relationship where you're totally happy and live happily ever after, whatever. You have to go through three failed relationships to get there. You know, so you might as well get started on the first one because <laughs> it's, it's, it's inevitable. Like if, unless you are yeah. one of the very few people who's lucky enough to like marry their high school sweetheart and be happy forever, which is like super rare. God <laughs> yeah. bless. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the rest of us, it's, you gotta, you, you gotta go, you know, you've got to stumble. You got to kiss a bunch yeah, of exactly. frogs. Exactly. <laughs> Um, what's a term for for guys with that? Do you guys have something like that? Kiss a bunch of frogs. We say like kiss a bunch of frogs. No, I don't know. Like we men, we don't talk about relationships in those terms because we're stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're too tough and macho. We're just like you're like. There's no such yeah, thing. We're as just a, like oh, she, a yeah. bad person. <laughs> yeah, they all, they, all. yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, yeah. We just talk about it. it's like oh, she's fucking hot. Bitch is crazy though. Whatever, like yeah, that's pretty much as far as our <laughs> yeah, conversation that's the goes. For sure, um, but yeah, you, that's you, you got to go through it. Um, you say something, uh, and I'd love you to explain the fuck yes or fuck no. Yeah, 
Huh. So it, uh, I call it the law of fuck yes or no, which is basically like if it's not a yeah, if it's not a fuck yes, then it should be a no. Um, so if you're not fuck yes about somebody, a lot of people end up in the kind of this gray area where they're like, well, he's really nice and he like treats my dog well, but he's kind of boring. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're like totally super ambivalent. Life. And I, I, what I found was that most people who kind of feel tortured in their dating relationship life, it's because they're always in this place of ambivalence. And, uh, and so it's just, it's just this rule for yourself. Like, look, if it's not a fuck yes, if you're not like, fuck yeah, this person's awesome, um, then it should be a no. And it should also go the other way, which is if they're not fuck yes about you, then it should be a no. You know, if you have somebody who's not showing up when they say they're going to show up or they're not calling you back or if they like really, really like you, but they're also still with their girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever, it's like, no, it's not a fuck yes for them. You know, you should expect a fuck yes for yourself. Yeah. And how do you define like what's awesome? Like I know in, in some of the relationships in the past where I was like, oh, I don't know. They're really nice. But like, what's supposed, what is it supposed to feel like if you've never felt it before? Like for, I think a lot of people out there, like I've been in love, so I actually can compare it, I guess, to something. But what about people who've never been in love? And they're like, I don't know, what's supposed to be my level of fucking? My favorite answer to this question, which actually I, it, it actually came from a girl I went on a date on, date with, um, is she said that if you have to ask, then you're not feeling it. So a fuck yes is, mm. is self-evident. Love is self-evident. Like, I mean, if you've been in love, you know when, <laughs> when you're in love or when... Yeah, but there are times I fucking loved somebody and I was still like, man, you are, you are so fucking lucky. I love you because I fucking want to... Well, so you know. the way I define a fuck yes is that it's... It, ha- it, it can't just be emotional because a lot of times we get fuck yes about people who are very bad for us. So it's got to be, a, it's got to be, a, you've got to be, so in, in, my, in my, my book, Everything is Fucked, I talk about the, the thinking brain and the feeling brain. So it, it's got to be a fuck, both brains have to arrive at a fuck yes. The feeling brain's got to be a fuck yes, but the thinking brain has got to be a fuck yes too. And, and where, where we get into trouble is that we only listen to one of the brains. So People will feel a fuck yes, even though the guy's like a convict and, you know, is like sleeping with six other people. That was so me before. <laughs> you know, and it's like the thinking brain is like, so this me. is a really bad idea. We shouldn't be doing this. But the feeling brain's like, fuck yes, let's do it. But then you also get in the trouble when the thinking brain is like, well, he went to Harvard. He's really nice to my dog. My mom likes him, you know, like, but you don't feel it, but you feel like you should feel it. You know, it's like you need to find somebody who aligns with, with both, both rationally and emotionally. Balance. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's uh, interesting because I think in general in life, I feel like people have an all or nothing attitude for, for a lot of these concepts. Like example, thinking and feeling is a great example of that, of like, we all think something has to be just this way or this way. And I'm always, or like science and spirituality. I'm like, well, maybe they were both created for a reason. And why can't they work together versus it having to be this? Yeah. Um, all or yeah, nothing. Yeah, it, and it's, 
I mean, you do, you do need both. You can't, we've each got both and you can't really, you can't really be scientific about your feelings. You know, they're either there or they're not. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, the other thing too, you know, while we're talking about the fuck yes or no thing is, is a lot of people, um, you know, you don't, it's a fuck yes. It's not necessarily like, you know, oh my God, they're my soulmate. You can just, you can be fuck yes about seeing somebody for another date. You can be fuck yes about sleeping with somebody, but maybe not dating them. You know, you can be like a fuck yes. It's not, it's not like this big cosmic, you know, Disney thing. Like it's, a, it's a very practical tool. It's, it's, it's like, do I, like somebody texts you, say, hey, do you want to go out Friday? Is it a fuck yes or no? You know? That's it. That's all. That's as far as you have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think maybe for people who are a little bit more on the confused side, it's just sort of saying fuck yes or no to the next step. Like, it doesn't have to be fuck yes, I know this person is the end last person I'll be with. It's just fuck yes, I want to go on the date. Fuck yes, I want to see you again. You know, if you're three months in, you're like, yep, I still want to hang out with you this weekend. Um, and if it comes to a, like, you're iffy about it, it's a fun Yeah. Now. And it's, and what's useful about it too. So a lot of people get scared about the rule because they're like, well, shit, I'm going to be saying no to a lot of people. <laughs> and it's like, first of all, A, that's probably a good thing. You know, it's, it's good to learn how to like say no to a lot. Like if you feel that way, it means you need to be saying no to more people. But, but two, it, it also... If you're if you find yourself saying no to a lot of people, that also shows you something. It shows you that you're looking in the wrong places, that you are looking for the wrong type of person, and that you're there's something off in terms of like who you're selecting. Um, so that's useful yeah. as well. Hmm. Um. Okay. If you had to tell people one thing that they needed to change about how they date or their relationships. Oh what would God. it be? You, you have oh a lot of... God. If you had to be like, this is like a... This is, this is the consensus of all these people I've talked to. Like, what is something that you feel as an overall population maybe hmm. we're missing? I mean, there's a few things, but... Well, I'll say this, and it's not, it's not just because I made an audiobook about this, but, but one of my most famous... <laughs> yeah, which we're yeah, also one of into. My most famous articles is called Love is Not Enough, which is um, I talk about how we have a tendency in relationships to assume that love actually fixes problems um, when it doesn't. It, it's, love's great. But what, Disney tells me it does. What the fuck? Where's my Prince Charming? Uh, but it, it's it feels it feels like love can like fix a, a bad relationship or a broken relationship, uh, but it actually can't. And in fact, love often keeps us in bad or broken relationships. Um, and so it's it's I I've been kind of on a crusade over many years now of getting people to think a little bit more critically about all emotions in general, but particularly about love. Because I think in Western culture, there's a very naive, um, we, have, we have some very naive romantic beliefs 
around love and what it can do. It's like a, it's like a superpower or something that it's just going to heal the world, you know. And it's like, eh, no, no. <laughs> Actually, it's a lot of boring stuff like communication and respect <laughs> and being trustworthy. Like that's what heals a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so. I mean, it's funny you said that about the Western thing because, like, brown parents are straight up like, love doesn't love doesn't cut it. It's not enough about love. It's not yeah. about loving them. And you're, you, we we grew up wanting to fight them on it. Like, I was that person that when my parents said that, you know, they were like, love isn't enough. I was like, fuck you, don't <laughs> fucking say that. It's because you're heartless and you're unhappy, and that's why you don't want me to be happy because it didn't fix you. And and then as I've grown older. And dated again, you know, the abusive relationship, for example, was a sex addict. Um, my high school boyfriend of four years, we broke up because he was an alcoholic and no amount of loving those people could yeah. fix it. And no amount of trying to help them and make them see and being kind and especially the abusive one. I literally was like, you know, again, young and naive. And I was like, I'm going to... I'm going to show him because he's never been loved. I'm going to show him more yeah. love. And that definitely no. didn't work. <laughs> um, no. and, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, love is not enough is very true. Um, can you talk a little bit about your the new book sure. and kind of just what some of the principles are? I know one of the big things you mentioned in it is trauma. And uh, I have started reading uh, The Body Keep yep. Score and some of these like really great books on PTSD and the effects of trauma. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear what, um, what you've Yeah, so Aud- Audible approached me a couple of years ago wanting me to do, um, basically wanted me to, to, to do like coaching in, in a studio you know, sit down with readers of mine and kind of talk them through their life problems. And so we, we went out and we found a couple, couple dozen people and did interviews with them and everything. And it just, it was quickly apparent that the most interesting discussions were around relationship problems. And it, not only is it like the juiciest and most dramatic material to listen to, you know, it, it, it's, it's not like you can only have so much interesting content about a guy who's like trying to change jobs. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's interesting for about 15 totally. minutes. And then it's like, yeah, dude, just fucking yeah. send some applications. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Um, yeah. Whereas you get somebody coming in with like, I'm in love with a married man. I don't know how to break up with him. Like, what do I do? You know, it's like, all right, now we're talking. Like, this is some juicy stuff. Um, so, and then on top of that, it was just, it was my wheelhouse, you know, back when I did actually coach people, it was through dating relationship issues. So I felt more comfortable doing it. So we built this, this whole audiobook around it. It's me, um, me in conversation with five different people. It's three women, two men, um, different ages, sexual orientations, different issues. But what's interesting is that even though all five of them have completely different life circumstances, relationship circumstances, all of their problems really kind of boil down to the same few principles. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. one, one of them is boundaries. One of them is past trauma. One of them is um, uh, fantasizing or, or kind of what you were saying about your ex-boyfriend, which is, you know, it's like, I'm going to heal him. I'm going to save him. You know, that's one of the fantasies I, I, 
I talk save about, you know, it's like, I'm going to save yeah. this person. Um, but yeah. there's a bunch of others that we, we, we tend to fall into as well. Uh, and so it's just, it's a, it's a really cool investigation of kind of the, the underlying mechanisms of what um, cause relationships to fail or cause us that to struggle in our relationships. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome that you're exploring that. Cause like a lot of people, when they ask me about the podcast have always said like, Oh, how, what inspired kind of dating? And I've always said like the reason I chose a dating podcast versus a sex podcast is cause I felt the way people date. And that's from the way, I mean, I can say it for myself said a lot about where, like about our human, like human yeah. behavior. It says a lot more about where our hangups are in our psychology. And like you said, the trauma that where it comes from, because if you had a, you know, it's kind of sort of known if you probably had a shitty dad, you're likely to not know or have a good example of a male figure. And so if you're in a hetero relationship, you're probably going to be out there seeking, um, somebody not right for you. I mean, that was my issue for a long time until I worked through it. And, you know, just even, even hangups of like, oh, I don't know how to date. I get so anxious. Like that explains where some part of you doesn't feel either accepted or, or willing to be open or vulnerable. Something you talk a lot about also. Um, do you sort of feel the yeah, same way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is, there, there are very predictable patterns to dating relationship issues and it and a, and a lot of it does come from our parents and it because it's kind of whatever the psychological mechanism in our brain that dictates our romantic relationships it's kind of formed when we're young with our with our relationships with our parents and so it's things that feel normal with mom or dad um end up feeling normal when you you know, when you're 20 and, and falling in love for the first time. And, but it's like, if mom and dad were screwed up, then, you know, your partner's probably going to be screwed up in a similar, in a similar way. Um, so yeah, it's, oh my God, yeah, it's so just true. endlessly fascinating. And, um, and I guess as like, a, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've gone through my, my own fair share of dumpster fire relationships. So, but I could say, but as somebody who's come out the other end, it's, it, it, it's endlessly fascinating for me to, to just observe and talk about and, and kind of work through with people. Yeah. Um, please guys, make sure you go um, download and buy uh, Mark Manson's Love is Not Enough on Audible. Well, Mark Manson, thank you so much for taking time and being on the podcast. Um, we were so excited to have you and you clearly delivered. Um, how can everybody find uh, your work? So markmanson.net is my website. Tons of free blog articles. If you go to the archive, there's a category for relationships. There's dozens and dozens of articles on relationships there. Um, Mark Manson on Instagram. I am Mark Manson on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Check out my books. Um, yeah, just Google me. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friends, we'll also have um, all of uh, his links and social media in the description of this episode. Mark, thank you again so much for being on uh, the podcast. Friends, 
If you like today's episode, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. Also, follow us on social media. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Also, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, Mark is not going to agree with me when I say this, but I know it seems tough out there. But just try. <laughs> Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless. And our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.